This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. News, views, interviews and discussion, all from a GLBTI point of view. Gay Newsweek on Joy 94.9. It's Katie, Jeffrey, and Matt this evening. Now, the federal government's new hardline stance on asylum seeker boat arrivals has been one of the biggest stories of the week, but one perspective which hasn't been focused on is the effect that it will have on LGBTI asylum seekers. Joining us to discuss this further is Sen Raj. He is an Amnesty International spokesperson and he joins us tonight on Gay Newsweek. Sen, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sen, can you bring us up to speed with what has happened with the reforms from the Rudd government and then into how that affects GLBTI uh, refuge seekers? Sure. So on Friday, um, Prime Minister Kevin Rudd announced uh, some reforms to asylum processing in Australia. Basically, uh, any new arrivals by boat would be sent to Papua New Guinea for processing and if they were found to be refugees they would be resettled there. So there would be no chance for any boat arrival, um, asylum seekers on boats, um, to want to be resettled in Australia once they have their claims processed and they were recognised as, as refugees. Now this is obviously very concerning uh, in relation to the um, treatment of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex asylum seekers because Papua New Guinea has laws that criminalise homosexuality and the criminal penalties um, range up to 14 years in prison. And so it's particularly concerning when asylum seekers are being sent to a country that continues to persecute um, LGBTI people and those countries are being asked to provide protection for the individuals that, you know, they otherwise persecute. And there is a blatant irony there. So it's really important that um, the LGBTI community be aware that this policy will have devastating impact on LGBTI asylum seekers in Australia. So do we know if the government actually considered the particular concerns regarding GLBTI people in PNG when they were developing this solution? Look, I'm not sure about that. Um, uh, this policy is a blanket policy. It's obviously a very hardline approach to deal with um, uh, asylum seekers arriving by boat. Um, as far as I can tell, there are no exceptions to this to this rule. And um, you know whether the government considered the particularities affecting LGBTI asylum seekers. That's for um, you know the government hands. And what about in terms of on an ongoing nature? So prior to this solution, do we know if the if were GLBTI people considered as a particular category of asylum seeker and those particular areas of concern taken into consideration prior to now? Sure, yes. So um, Australia has recognised uh, the validity of seeking asylum on the basis of um, sexual orientation and uh, since 1992 um, and subsequently also has recognised gender identity as well. So that's considered um, protected under the particular social group category of the Refugee Convention. Um, and Australia, to its credit, has been processing those claims for the past two decades. Now, there are a number of issues within Australia specifically about how those claims are processed. But what's particularly concerning now is that obviously the processing will be outsourced to another country, a country that has criminalised uh, homosexuality. Um, and, you know, the, the challenges are obvious. I mean, if you're in a country where you face 
in prison of up to 14 years for being who you are, then do you feel safe or comfortable disclosing that you're being persecuted on the basis of your sexual orientation? And if you remain silent, then you'll be sent back to your home country where you will face. And indeed, you then, I presume, Sen, wouldn't be saying it to one of the assessment people within the camp in the country because that's going to get you persecuted there and um, not allow you to process your claim. It's Absolutely. It's, I mean, there's numerous evidence uh, in countries that do criminalise uh, homosexuality. Even if those provisions aren't strictly enforced or people are prosecuted, it creates a culture of secrecy, extortion, bribery, and people are subject to abuse. Um, through that climate. So that's really concerning if you have asylum seekers in places where they're subject to those um, abuses, human rights abuses, then how are they going to be protected in any sense of the word? Sen, since Kevin Rudd announced this new hardline stance, you've been a fairly vocal advocate for GLBTI asylum seekers in this deal. Uh, What's the federal government said since these concerns have been raised? Um, Unfortunately, these particular concerns have not been adequately addressed um, Mm. just yet. Um, There was a question on Q&A last night to Minister Bill Shorten regarding whether, you know, um, gay or lesbian asylum seekers who were sent to PNG, whether they would risk being put to prison for 14 years. And and Bill Shorten's response was that, um, you know, that wouldn't be part of the agreement. Now, that's you know, that's just one line on a, on a show. There hasn't been any official policy or mm. any um, executive direction that has been made. And it's important that um, we get that detail because the Refugee Convention expressly prohibits Australia from sending asylum seekers um, or rather refugees to countries where they face persecution, where their life or liberty is threatened. And so it's important that Australia specifically address this in relation to its new policy on um, asylum uh, and particularly the impact it'll have on LGBTI people. Now, we're speaking to Sen from Amnesty International about uh, the new Kevin Rudd uh, policy on asylum seekers. Can you just fill us in? Has there been any comment on GLBTI uh, refugee seekers from the Home Affairs Minister or from the Foreign Minister uh, who would be seen to be the two ministers having authority over this particular matter? Look, um, on Friday, um, Bob Carr convened, the Foreign Minister Bob Carr convened a, a roundtable discussing, you know, LGBTI human rights in the context of foreign policy. And he tweeted um, a comment um, that very night that he would stand against homophobia always. Now, that's obviously very encouraging, and it's encouraging that our foreign policy will now take LGBTI human rights as a, a central part of that. But then this announcement seems to be in direct contradiction to that mm. statement because now refugees are being sent to a place where they're going to be subject to homophobia, to laws that effectively treat them as criminals. Now, Sen, you're not suggesting that... So, Sen, sorry, you're not suggesting that a politician contradicted themselves? <laughs> well, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, there can be integrity in politics and integrity in policy. So well, um, I would urge um, our Foreign Minister Bob Carr to um, address um, this issue in light of his, his recent commitment to, uh, you know, challenging homophobia.
So have you had, as someone doing a lot of research in this area, I guess two questions. One is, um, do we have any insight into the kind of numbers of people that are seeking asylum or have been seeking asylum in Australia that are GLBTI? Sure. Um, that's an excellent question. And um, unfortunately, it's my understanding the Department of Immigration doesn't currently collect data um, on um, sexual orientation and gender identity-based asylum claims. And that's actually something we'd like to see happen because obviously... Obviously, we're getting an increasing, um, the department admits that they're getting an increasing number of uh, LGBTI asylum claims, um, but unfortunately, without the data being made available, it's obviously difficult to map trends. Um, we know that these claims are being made. We know there are a lot of people making these claims, and so it's important that um, the Department of Immigration um, not only collect this data, but make this data available so this can assist advocates and um, organisations when um, assisting LGBTI asylum And how much luck have you had in talking to the government about these issues or have other organisations had in, in raising the, these particular concerns around GLBTI asylum seekers? Um, look, um, a number of organisations have been working very hard to address the issue of uh, Australia's asylum policy and approach to asylum seekers more broadly. Um, and that's, and I think that's a fundamentally important place to start um, because offshore processing um, and detaining um, asylum seekers has very harmful consequences, particularly for LGBTI people, because when they're detained, they're denied access to representation. Um, they don't know necessarily that they're able to claim asylum on the basis of their sexual orientation or gender identity. And given that they come from countries where, you know, the very public disclosure of their sexual orientation will subject them to violence or abuse, that's not something they're going to be very forthcoming with. So, you know, it's, it's very important that, you know, asylum seekers, particularly LGBTI asylum seekers, have access to organisations. And also, given that, you know, being out in a detention facility can attract um, uh, you know, unwanted um, violence um, mm. and can put asylum seekers at risk of further homophobic and transphobic abuse, that's something that's particularly concerning. And, and what, sorry, so what, what has the situation been to this point in detention centres um, connected to Australia? So whether in or on offshore? Has there been violence in the centres that we know of directly oh. against GLBTIQ people um, in our current yeah. setting? Well, um, there have been no public reports that I'm aware of recently of specific sexual orientation or gender identity motivated violence within detention centres. But that is compounded by the fact that media have very limited access to detention centres, particularly offshore detention centres such as mm -hmm. Manus Island and, um, and Nauru. And um, and the fact that there is very, and these facilities are privately run. So they're run by not the government, but by private contractors. And they have their own contractual agreements that, you know, do limit the ability of journalists to access the centres, organisations, advocates. And so what is really important is that we get greater transparency around this issue. We see in the detention context so that when violence does occur, we can be made aware of it and we can respond to it. And too much self-harm, um, too much 
uh, violence and depression is currently persisting in detention centres. In fact, a report was released um, highlighting that all detainees at Manus Island exhibited signs of depression, and that is something that is completely unacceptable. We're speaking to Sen Raj. He's a spokesperson for Amnesty International. Sen, do you think the wider Australian public has the ability to even care about this issue at the moment? Obviously, the biggest thing in the GLBTI um, issues sphere at the moment is um, the equal marriage and all of those things. Does Australia really care about asylum seekers who are GLBTI at this mo- at this present time? I absolutely do think that there are many, many Australians that care about refugee issues and specifically LGBTI refugee issues. It's been encouraging to see a number of um, uh, community groups, both within the LGBTI sector and the refugee sector, highlight the particular issues affecting LGBTI asylum seekers. Hopefully we'll see more intersection between these two issues in our public debates, in our political campaigns, because obviously marriage equality is still a very important issue and something that Um, people should be campaigning for. But at the same time, it's important to recognise that there are a number of campaigns within the LGBTI community. We're a diverse community with many different, um, you know, uh, priorities and issues. And it's important that there's a space to talk about all of them. Sen, I absolutely agree. And I think marriage equality is is one issue we're talking about. And and this is an incredibly important issue. And and one of the aspects of Australia is we need to be talking about asylum seekers more and um, in our community, certainly this issue. Are there any recommendations you could make around what people can do if they want to take a more active involvement in this or find out more information or actually push the government on this issue, particularly from a GLBTI perspective? Absolutely. I think the most um, basic thing would be to um, write to the Prime Minister, uh, the Foreign Minister and the Immigration Minister, um, requesting that they um, address the the issues affecting LGBTI asylum seekers and refugees who will be sent to Papua New Guinea. I'd also encourage people um, to meet with their local Member of Parliament um, to raise this as an issue. Obviously, you know, this particular issue is often not really talked about um, in the broader debate, and it is something that we need to address. And by bringing it to um, uh, your local members' attention, you can hopefully raise it in the parliament, um, parliamentary context or within the context of the relevant party. And then we can see some action on this issue to hopefully, you know, remedy what will be an enormous injustice for LGBT asylum seeker, LGBTI asylum seekers and refugees. Sen, how does the government solve this whole situation as a whole? Where do we find the happy medium? Obviously, people are coming to Australia on these dangerous boats and people are dying. But at the same time, we can't just turn them away to different countries where they could be persecuted for for reasons such, such as their sexuality. Where does the government find a happy medium? Look, um, obviously, no one is saying that death at sea is not some is not a tragedy. It's important to acknowledge that you know the loss of life is unacceptable. But at the same mm-hmm. time, politicising people's death is not going to change the reasons why people get on boats to seek asylum, mm-hmm. and nor is it going to end um, the persecution, for example, on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. Deterrence as a policy measure does not work. You know, a a number of, um, you know, academic studies from refugee experts have over the last um, decade and a half um, highlighted that, you know, mandatory detention, offshore processing does not eliminate the reasons why people get on boats to seek asylum. Um, The only way to address Um, the reasons why people get on boats is firstly to address the human rights abuses that they face and also to provide safer 
pathways to seek protection. So, for example, when you're talking about asylum seekers moving by Indonesia, that would involve increasing um, processing opportunities in Indonesia, providing quicker resettlement opportunities so that people don't need to get on a boat. Um, it's about working with other countries within our region, really pushing them not to dump asylum seekers in foreign countries and put mu- and give them money, but rather to encourage um, you know our neighbouring countries to build an infrastructure um, that is capable of supporting asylum seekers and refugees. That's what we need to be doing. It's not an easy sell. Uh, it's not something that we will achieve overnight, um, and it's the, and it's probably something that you know is going to require a complicated conversation. But to address the issue of why people get on boats and why people seek asylum in Australia, we have to think beyond an election. Cycle. It's certainly a new area of international affairs uh, where GLBTI issues will be front and centre going forward. So thank you very much, Sen, uh, from Amnesty International for taking the time to have this conversation with us and our listeners. And we would refer anyone to your website at Amnesty International for more information. That would be great. Thank you. News and current affairs from a bent perspective. This is Gay Newsweek on Joy 94.9. To find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.